Welcome to another episode of the Woods Water Mizzou podcast. I'm one of your regular host with me, or I'm one of your regular host, Skeeter, and along with me as usual are Case and Cole. How y'all doing? We're here. We're good. Doing all right. <clears throat> little horse, little horse there, Skeet. Yeah, I think we're all a <laughs> little horse. Uh, last night and this morning, I sounded like uh, I need to be singing bass, <laughs> and then... After I got out of the tree this afternoon and hadn't talked for a couple hours, it was like, it's gone. So I'm forcing out as much as I can. But It's a little fresh air, a little fresh <laughs> air for your uh, larynx and your vocal cords. Well, uh, let's start off with saying that this is your home field studios. Go to home field, get some of the great apparel and entering code variety sports for 15% off your first checkout. But fellas, our Tigers face the Tigers of LSU. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> you? I've got three kids. I promise they've dropped. <laughs> yeah. uh, man, what a great start. I said last week we need to come out quick start. First three possessions, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Ah. Uh, then it, I think the pivotal play of the game, uh, Brady throws the interception to Harold Perkins Jr. and allowed LSU to get momentum going into halftime when we really, man, you think if we would have went up another touchdown there, 29 or 30 to 7, uh, that, that would have been a death blow probably. But lo and behold, LSU stuck with it. Uh, Jaden Daniels, kid played with a lot of heart and a lot of grit. Uh, he was right in front of me when he was banged up, and it was all he had to walk. I don't know what they did in that tent when he went in there, but he come out, and he laid it all on the line. And uh, he led the LSU Tigers to a comeback victory. Of, I believe, what was it, 49-39 was, ended up being the final. We yeah. lost by 10. Yep, made him point game. Sold out, packed for O'Field. Great environment, tailgating. Tiger Walk was full of energy. Uh, what y'all want to talk about? I mean, I've got a bunch of stuff I could point to, but. Um, I want to lead off first with what you just said with energy. Man, it is good to see Faroe packed out like that. And you're right, the, the energy in the stadium was super infectious. Um, it felt. It felt like a, like a big time game the entire time the fan base. So let's that's that's something positive we need to look at is that is probably the most electric I've felt for in a long time. Energy energy was better than the K State game in my opinion. I really I was really impressed. Everything I had a great time you know before the ending, but you know the vibes were really good that entire time. Yeah, the energy was um, great. I kept telling my mom and the group that we were sitting with that not only was the hill packed out, but then that like lower concourse on the North concourse was just shoulder to shoulder everywhere you looked. 
every seat was filled. Everyone was screaming. I don't know if anybody who attended that game has a a normal voice today. Um, but man, that energy was just incredible. I guess we can kind of throw out that if we have a, a big opponent for an eleven o'clock game, that you know, folks are folks are going to show up. Um, I mean, that's two games back to back: K State and LSU. That folks have showed up and been loud. Both been, you know, pretty darn good games. We'll get into more of it, but energy was great. Tailgating atmosphere was great. The only thing that they, you know, kind of led us astray, and I guess it was more a, a weather concern, was Truman didn't skydive like we thought he was going to. But I guess they bait and switched us. Yeah, well, high winds is what I what I heard high from work. So, yeah. If but Truman would jump, well, we won the game. We would have for sure. <laughs> uh first thing, like I went to Tiger Walk. I wanted I wanted my boys to like get the full game day experience. And I do not know what music Luther Burden listens to, but that dude was walking down the hill pissed off. Like he's mad rapping. It's like I need your jams, one. But uh I think it's his own music. <laughs> let me so let me ask y'all. Go back to August before season kicks off. I tell you, Mizzou puts up 39 points, 23 first downs, 527 yard total yards. Brady Cook passes for 411, and we have 116 rushing yards against LSU. <laughs> Are we losing that ball game? On paper, you think not with that deep, with what we thought we had in defense. Yeah, I would say I, I would have leaned towards no. Yeah, we you know we won that game, but we knew LSU had a decent, um, a, a really good offense. As a matter of fact, leading into the season, Jane Daniels was that dude. We talked about fools gold a little bit in uh, in our season preview, but you know that talent doesn't just fade away unless there's you know kind of some coaching or philosophy or scheme behind it. So. Yeah, I think I, I think I would have thought that we we would have won that game. Okay, let's go ahead and get to it here. Uh, I'm gonna call my shots. So the loss to me, penalties. Uh, but LSU, we were both penalized eleven times each. We were sixty-eight yards, and I believe LSU was eighty-three yards. So uh, we. It was terribly officiated for what they did call versus what they didn't call on both sides. They missed Mizzou penalties. They missed LSU penalties. Uh, I don't want to say the refs cost us the game because absolutely I don't feel there's one player that cost us. Uh, turnovers, uh, a bad read, Bad look from Brady Cook on that interception. I didn't see a second interception. I was trying to beat traffic and get out. I uh, heard the roar there on the pick six. So I uh, don't really know what it was, but uh, we've, we have we could go back any week and we've said bad snap and then Cameron Johnson getting a penalty or two. He yeah. got two yesterday that were, were costly. And Tomlinson had the bad snap. Drinkwood said that was a call from the sideline. They were trying to do like a hurry deal to catch him off guard. So I don't know all the details of that. And then Blake Baker, you have got to adjust. 
there was been no in-game adjustment from him this season is from what I've seen. We did not, we refused to put a spy. I felt we should have pulled one of the six DBs, brought Chuck Hicks in, and had three linebackers, and had a true second level. Chad Bailey and Tyron Hopper, if they guessed the wrong hole, there was nobody there for 10 or 15 yards. Yeah. And we, we just continue to allow Jaden Daniels to kill us with his legs. And that right there, to me, was the most disappointing part of the game, was our coaching staff's inability to adjust on defense. Yeah, so I I got a lot of similar thoughts on that. To the most recent point, man, everyone in me and my section were all saying, you guys put a spy on Jaden Daniels. He's just killing us with his legs. You know, with the adverse, you can say, well, oh, that's going to leave, you know, someone open. There was someone open anyways. If, if he was running, if he wasn't running, there was someone wide open. Uh, there was a lot of holes on defense. We were playing like Swiss cheese out there. Um, I'm going to say keys of the game. Offense had some mistakes. I'm not going to say they didn't. Uh, you guys know my thoughts. I've been very frustrated with our with our center play the last couple episodes. Um I, I kind of tweeted about it this time, but I was a little more, a little more agreeance response from you know people on Twitter that that's kind of come to a head this, at this point with Tolleson. Um, But man, it comes down to, in my opinion, the defense couldn't stop a nosebleed yesterday, and that that you you needed one or two more stops in there. And that's your game. So I There's... I get it. Lack of adjustments, lack of sound tackling, lack of coverage. The list can really go on forever. Yeah, and I mean, athletically, you know, we, we have a very experienced and athletic defense. And one play this, uh, that sticks out to me in particular is the 30, 32, 35-yard touchdown run by Williams where he, you know, pocket kind of collapses. He breaks out and rolls right, kind of cuts up towards the uh, the hash marks and then is trailing towards the uh, – the right corner of the north end zone, you know, driving north. And, you know, watching that play, as I see him cut it back towards the middle, you know, that's that's what defenses are taught to try and force everything back towards the middle because that's where you have help. Um, and and when, when we didn't tackle him and he breaks it back out to the right and I see, uh, I see Hopper, you know, just trying to run him down, it's just... I'm thinking, good heavens, either he's the world-class of world-class athletes. You know, he's a great quarterback. He really is. Or, you know, we've we've got some issues, and a reason that he's made it 15, 20, 25 yards downfield without having a single hand put on him yet. Again, is it athleticism? Is it poor tackling? Is it poor coaching? I, I re-watched it on TV this morning. Uh, they seem to pick on Chad Bailey's side on running. Uh, Jaden Daniels there, and I don't know if Bailey was getting bad reads, uh, if he was too close to the line getting picked up by a blocker, but he was non-factor on some of it. Uh, there was one really bad missed tackle that he had, uh, and so that was a little concerning there. Uh, just give you a little country boy thought that I had today sitting in the deer stand. So instead of practicing these tackling donuts all week, 
they should have put some chickens out there and said, hey, you boys go catch some chickens. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, that, idea, that would have had them a lot more prepped for Jaden Daniels and a rolling donut. Yeah. <laughs> Take my coon hunting. Have them keep up with the coon dog. That'll uh, that'll teach you to, you know, be a little more agile. Go, uh, Y'all ever do the grease pig thing as a kid at the rodeo? Put a grease pig in the pen there. No, we did do uh, the rodeo in my hometown. Did rolls of duct tape on a calf. You have to chase calf down and grab a not rolls, but you know, duct tape turned inside out. Anyway, hey, all these are good ideas that we should implement. We should on Monday turn a calf loose inside that brand new uh, that brand new Stevens indoor facility. I'm sure they'll love that. (laughs) Uh, Let's go back to that interception. What I said was pivotal play of the game. Uh, Brian Kelly listened to his post game. First off, he's a dumbass. Uh, he said Mizzou made this a homecoming, so we took that a little personal. What in the world was he thinking? Just you know, like if somebody gave him that information and he didn't double check it, whatever, like you're a head coach, you should know whether it's a homecoming game you're going into or not. So you can just lie, you, you, you can just uh, lie about stuff. It's all right. <laughs> Uh, but he did say after the third touchdown that they switched from a man to a zone defense and they dropped Harold Perkins in a coverage shadowing underneath Luther that they had not done. So it was a coverage that Brady had not seen all game and there was nothing on film suggesting that they would do this still even rewatching it in, in live in person. It was a terrible read, a terrible pass. Like, should have saw that guy watching it on TV is exactly what we saw live. Uh, just a bad read. It's not something Brady cook has made a habit of. So I don't want to, I'm not a hey, sucks. Get him out of there, you know, but man, that's just something you, <laughs> you know, that trying to go to Luther one too many times, maybe right there, bit us in the butt. Yeah, maybe, and I'm not, I'm agree. I'm not going to defend that throw. I'm going to defend Brady as an overall and say that he made good throws after that. He made good throws, you know, going through the game. Uh, that last touchdown we scored, he made two big strikes down the field to get us in position to make that score. And uh, first touchdown, second touchdown, the one that he made that beautiful throw to Weiss in the end zone. That's the first. Was that first score? First, first, first. That was an absolute dime of a throw. First one was uh, dropped by Weiss. Yes. And- yeah came back and got I couldn't yes. remember if straighter scored then it doesn't matter um but he absolutely he played a great game if one bad pick I'm, I'm not going to defend that but I'm going to say overall his body of work is he's not the reason we lost that game now is that interception a giant momentum turning point I'm going to agree absolutely but like I said offense had other situations where they could have put the foot in the throat and take over the game later and defense could have Stopped anything. If so, if I had to pick one offensive player to put drive stalling, drive killing plays on, uh, Tyler Stevens, I've been yes. clamoring for a tight end. Oh, mercy. But my goodness, uh, I agree with you 100% on that. Scheme. I want to see Brett Norfleet out there or the other true freshman or Ryan Horsecamp because three drops solid in the hand. No excuses. Was it three or four? Three. He had three, I think, and Weiss had one. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, maybe I was, was putting wild that. Is Steven's first target he caught for a first down, yes. and I was like, mm-hmm. "All right, maybe Steven's going to be rolling a little bit today." But he went downhill after that. Yeah. Oh Liability. my gosh, just I mean, egregious, just terrible. What's just funny terrible. is on the way out um, on the North Concourse, I bumped into Maggie, and her and I had a a thirty second venting session on the game before, we were like, okay, we got to try and beat traffic out of here. And I think both of us almost said simultaneously that Stevens, like, what is going on? And I know, you know, part of me wonders if it's uh if it's a mental thing, like you drop one, you know, quarterback tries to go back to you and and get that confidence both both ways. Like Brady tries to get the confidence back. And Tyler, Tyler tries to get, you know, his own confidence back. But then when two happens. And then the third one happens. You're just like, holy smokes. Sure. It's you're exactly right, Skeeter. I mean, it's momentum killing, it's drive killing. It takes the life out of the stadium. I mean, there's a collective sigh and groan from from the fans when it happens. And so it's yeah, the the one time we make it a point to involve tight ends over our stable of wide receivers, that's that's what happens. Maybe that's why Drinkwoods doesn't like to well, use them. I don't know. I don't want to go that far because uh, no. touchdown by Norfleet that was pretty impressive. And it was. He, he we just need him. Semi dropped it and caught it <laughs> off his ankles. So that was almost another drop by tight end. But it wasn't. And it was. It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, you know. First off, also need to shout out Daniel Blood, another true freshman receiver. Stepping in, I believe he's a Destrahan, Louisiana native. Uh, and so him getting his first collegiate reception against LSU probably meant Pretty something cool. to him. Uh, and it was, it was a great catch. Uh, but wide receiver corpse. Man, TV does not do these guys justice. I know no. you guys get to see all the games live. But this was my first time seeing it live in person. And I got to see Luther last year. but a different player completely different uh, player yeah, completely way, different he was his his ability to create space his ability to like one guy's not taking him down mm-hmm. uh turf monster got him on the end around there yesterday but that's about the only time there's just one guy and he went down but theo weiss uh mookie cooper you know marquise johnson like we said going into the season this was the most loaded room, and I think they've exceeded the expectations we could have thought that they were going to do. So, uh, great play on receivers. Uh, O-line still was not a bad game from the offensive line. Cameron Johnson, the two uh, penalties, then uh, Tomlinson with the snap infraction, and then – <laughs> but Delgado almost got us bit. Probably should have. They're he absolutely yeah. flinched. Oh, 100%. oh yeah, that was absolutely plain as day. But and there then, were so many. We you touched on that earlier that there were so many missed calls on on both sides. The Brady I mean, face mask on third down that they the didn't call decapitation. It. You mean yes, yeah, attempted decapitation yeah. of Brady Cook. Uh, and then um the sack that was the fumble mm-hmm. that got knocked way back on third down. Was that that was Foster's side, right? 
Yes. Yeah. He had uh, was was it a blitz or was it DN that hit him? I don't recall. No, it was the I remember watching that play um back today and it was kind of that initial engagement, you know, Lyman gives a little shove and that guy just like classic DeMarcus Ware, dip and rip, get up underneath him and as soon as I saw him free reign, I was like, Holy cow. It's it's lucky that's the only thing that happened. Um, you know, it wasn't in the middle of a throwing motion to where it can mess up his shoulder. So yeah. Uh speaking of Brady and injuries, where he, you talk about messing up shoulder. So something I learned, I know we're just rambling here, but something I learned on rewatching the TV broadcast. Okay, so we know he had the deep bone bruise on his knee. Did you know there was also a minor fracture? Nope. I saw that on Twitter. I didn't know if it was what they meant by that. They, I think someone was watching the game and retweeted it. They said it was like a, a hairline or something like that on his somewhere in the knee vicinity that he's playing through. So, like, holy cow, Brady Cook. Like, dude, you are tough. Yeah. Like, you are tough. But, uh, man, you know, like, we, we look at that game and – it was not regardless of what like the tiger bait podcast said that I listened to afterwards. And they said, that's most excited that Mizzou campus has been in many years. That was their super bowl. No, we had the chance to build something special for this season. And we still do. We're five and one. That was a chance to go six and oh. Uh, so, the crowd was going to be up. It wouldn't have mattered who the opponent was Saturday. Uh, it was going to be packed as far as the Mizzou end of it. And, but, you know, the, the season is halfway, five and one. Case, you would have said absolutely no way in hell in August when we t- said five and one. No, I had us at four and two. That's not that far off. <laughs> uh, out that far off you you were not so sold on the memphis game and then i said we were gonna win it i said they had the yeah. <laughs> it's looking to be a win i said but four the, and two the case state i'm not trying to be a Debbie downer right now but we are um <laughs> we are a un a, oh my gosh without the miraculous field goal we are a chance going to overtime and anything happens and that is a possibility so don't act like i am that far off hey hey you're way off, way off, <laughs> way off. <laughs> but six, five and zero, oh, six games in, or five and one, six games in. Everything is still in front of us. That game is not end of the world. The mistakes are coachable. It was not. We got out, out talented, outplayed. I don't feel LSU was head and shoulders above Mizzou. Mizzou got in the way of a Mizzou victory. We've seen that many times in years past. And so uh, I don't know, like, I hope I know how this team's going to respond to it. It's a tough game coming up next week. We'll get in the next episode talking about Kentucky. But, man, you hope this just lights another fire and that they they take – you know, drink said it starts at the top down, 
And he, he said they've been playing on the edge of a few things that they've been getting by with in the previous five games. And it bit him in the butt. Yeah. It did. I'm, um, I got a couple other notes that, um, you know, we talked about the, the concern of the snap infraction. Uh, Skeeter, you said you wanted to touch on the disconcerting signals. Okay. What the... So, according to the broadcast, because RG3 did not like this when it was explained to him, if an offense use a clap as a snap count, the defense cannot clap in any form or fashion whatsoever. The first one that was called on the goal line, Hopper was clapping trying to get somebody's attention. That's what the penalty was on. Are you kidding me? No. Good heavens. He was clapping to get somebody's attention. But since LSU claps, we clap. Their linebacker did a little clap, and it cost them five yards, and it got us again later in the game. So that is something, hopefully, a rule change comes eventually on that. Uh, of course, you don't want somebody up there, like, trying to imitate a snap clap, but if Hopper's over there as they're getting set on the line and he's clapping, waving his hands, there's no way he's trying to mimic a snap count on that. No, and I mean, yeah. dude, that's like, that's Pee Wee Pop Warner, like, middle school. Watch the ball. Like, yeah. defense and offense, watch the ball. Wide receivers are always looking in, looking towards the center. When the ball moves, they move. Like it's, you know what I mean? That's, gosh, I hate that penalty. That's, um, I yeah, don't know. this is a penalty. I think I'd seen that once in my entire life, maybe more, but it feels like once in my entire life, four that I saw it three times in one game. And it, like you said earlier, it's a weird called game. The whole game was weird. And the defensive aspect. delay of game is that like on both sides, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, it was called for Mizzou and for LSU. Yeah, so, yeah, they call it the delay of game. Is it late uh, substitution? Is that why they're calling that? No, it was the no, clap. That was, that was a disconcerting was signal. Clap. Yes. Good Lord. Uh, yeah. One of their penalties, really, I did not like. They called a personal fat out or deflected. 66 is engaged with defensive end on the hash mark when the ball's thrown. The ball was thrown pretty, pretty quick. They don't show a replay of where the block out of bounds was. But if he continued the block to out of bounds, there's no way he got and pushed the defensive end all the way out of bounds before that ball was incomplete. That should have been after the play penalty, moved them back another 15 yards, but instead it was either a 15-yard penalty and redo third down that drink declined and made him kick the field goal, but it should have been tacked on to the end of the third down play and been fourth and plus 15, whatever there. So I really did not like that officiating crew whatsoever. You have 22 penalties combined in 60 minutes. That's one penalty in less than three minutes. Yeah. And it felt like it. it, it that it, that felt correct. Yeah. yeah. That was a long ball game for sure. It was. Long ball game. Um, another thing that, you know, we talked about the lack of quarterback containment from the defense. And we're not trying to make this a, a Debbie down. I mean, yeah, we're all upset that first loss of the year. Um, but uh, had most of us predicted it would come in week six. I think we I think we would have taken it. One thing I really would have liked to see and I touched on this early in the season, was turnovers. We, it took us till what, week three, right, to get our first turnover? Mm -hmm. um, didn't force any turnovers there. And I think if you're going to be in this level of competition the SEC, you have got 
to force some of those turnovers. Absolutely. They did, they did force two fumbles, didn't recover. Didn't right. Recover. Right. Um, but you know, same thing with same thing with LSU. Yeah, they they picked us off twice, but you know, the one by it's just what I'm getting at is we've gotta have some turnovers or no. or limit our own turnovers. You know, and we can't be giving away points like that. Coleman's a good point. It's I understand Jay Neons is very good, but uh whoever's backup is, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name. Um he threw a lame duck pass up there, and there was just no one in that part of the field to get to it. And it wasn't like he threw it to like out of bounds. He threw it dead ahead of him. It just weird me. There was no one even around where that ball was going, and he threw a cool duck up there. So there was opportunities, like you said, that fumble by Daniels. I mean, I don't know. I get, I get it. The ball bounces a certain way. You only do so much. But we've got to have guys around when these things happen. These opportunities come so infrequently in the in SEC games. And we gotta get guys more home. We gotta get more guys home on blitzes. Boy, was that frustrating. It just seemed like every time we seen a guy, all it did was help him out because it dropped someone out of you know, we were just never getting to Daniels to get home. And you can't, you can't there, be, there were times we were blitzing from like eight to ten yards off the ball. Mm-hmm. Like that's not gonna work with a mobile quarterback. Nope. No, not at all. And one thing that Another thing that's not going to work when you're blitzing is if you got players getting ejected, we cannot, we can't have that. on refs. Is that, is that, I heard it was a player. Was it a ref? Oh, I heard ref. I knew, I heard he spit. Either way. Don't spit. I get getting caught up in the heat of the moment and you're on the football field, but you know, that's, he's what, a sophomore, I think. Yeah. Johnny Walker, the, so the first personal foul that he got, it, the reason he got ejected because you get two personal fouls. Yep. Your second right. personal foul, you're out. Was one of the goal line stands, and he's trying to pull his legs out, and a guy is literally down there twisting his ankle, and that's what injured him. His reaction to kicking the guy was when the guy was twisting his ankle, and he was trying to get his leg out, and it hurt. So, you know, like that's kind of a bullcrap call but you know it's the call you always get happens. you always get called on the retaliation not yep. yeah what's uh what your mom always tell you growing up it's not second punch gets caught right second punch gets caught yeah or second yeah. person to so the punch gets caught yeah. but it's frustrating um i think that's that's something that's easily fixed you know controlling emotions a younger player controlling emotions within the game he's done a great job so far i don't know if we have a great player he's just young I don't know if there was something during the week that I missed that a player or a coach said about LSU, but I didn't really notice it live in the game. I noticed it on the TV broadcast rewatching this morning. LSU was pissed off. There was a lot of extra pushing and chirping and mouthing going on from LSU. Uh, and there was there was times watching it like, where's the flag? You know, like, where's the warning? Nothing was being said to them. And then, the, you know, man, that's – Case, you, you've been in, in them battles with the big boys, and it is a every-down play war. And I can only imagine how quickly and easily you can get frustrated at something when the other guy's doing something extra every time, it seems like, and getting away with it. Yep. 
Absolutely. No, yeah. I mean, and I think I was actually going to mention something on that is I've had the, I wore a knee brace in high school and I always had guys a little extra effort trying to get that knee hurt or turned, you know, or stepped on. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten the calls from retaliating on that as well. So that is, it is, it's frustrating. It's frustrating at that. It's frustrating to have guys talking or not talking, but pushing, you know, you know, putting thumbs in your, you know, in your side of your ribs, every play, something like that. So that's a thing that happens. I get it. That is hard to keep your cool. I, do you think that there was something said for LSU or do you think maybe that's just like that attitude is just, they kind of have that attitude. where we're going into your house or you're coming to ours and we're going to bully you and we're going to, you know, that's just how we roll. You know what I'm saying? I don't, it, listening to LSU podcasts after the game and they said like, Hey, we played pissed off today. Like, so the fan, even their fans noticed a different attitude from the team. So I don't know if that's their mojo. It might be going forward because it obviously works for them a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you look at the stats and offensively, aside from the two turnovers, I don't know if there's much more we could have done. Oh, totally. uh, you know, the drop drop passes and instead of kicking field goals. Now the missed field goal, that looked like the holder was still spinning as uh, – Mavis kicked it. We know he's got the leg to hit one from that far. Yeah. So it wasn't a distance thing for him to come up that short. So that was something I praised last week that maybe it's not completely fixed with the new snapper and holder combination. Uh, or it might just have been a bad hit by Mavis altogether. Uh, but man, we just, I think that's why I came out optimistic because yes, we lost. Yes, LSU covered because of the pick six. But all the way up till two minutes to go, there's enough meat on the bone for us to get out of there with a win. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No uh, doubt. And you know what? It's not it's not fair to put this much on Tolleson, but I think a lot of my frustration went to him because I'll be honest, guys, I'm kind of pessimist. I thought we were going down score on that drive and at least give us one more shot to stop them getting back at us. You know what I mean? We had a oh, big, yeah. I think it was a big Luther catch. We had second and one. And then that's kind of when hell broke loose. We got that second one. I was like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna run the ball here. Schrader, who was having a great game. We're not Schrader's not getting enough props from this because of the way the game went south, but Crody Schrader played his ass off on Saturday. We don't give him enough credit at all. I thought we were gonna give him the ball, we're gonna keep rolling. And everything went to hell. And Tolson kind of started that. It's not all on him. I'm not trying to be super rough on him, but I don't know. But- I I kind of I kind of was pretty upset with that. So yeah, I'm with you though. That was like what two fifteen left. I I thought we were going down there and we were at least getting the lead again. What happened after that? I didn't know. Okay, but I let, thought we were at least getting the lead again. Let me have you all play, Coach. I mean, you got headsets on here, so uh, you have that go from a third and one to third and six after the snap infraction, and then the sack happens, fumble, and it's fourth and forever. You have all three timeouts. You ask what I'm going to do because I'm not going to do hook and ladder. Well, do you punt because you know they're going to run and give your defense a chance and play field position because there's a possibility of you getting the ball back? The what? What's greater percentage in my mind? Converting a fourth and twenty-five or punting, pinning them deep, getting three run stops, calling the timeouts, getting the ball back. 
worst 35 in or 35 up, you know? So uh, do we agree with going for it on fourth and 25 at that juncture of the game? We're down by three. I don't know. I personally don't. Um, The play call is a little weird because, I mean, there's probably some stuff Luther's done where he can get 25 yards. There's probably some plays where Marquise can get you 25 yards. Um, The design hook and ladder was interesting. You know what? Run that play 10 times, maybe seven times it breaks it. But this is one of those times it didn't. But for me, you asked what I would do if I was the coach. I got the headset on. I'm punting that ball away, and I'm using my timeouts, and I'm trying to get the ball back you know, with a little more time on the clock. I understand going for it and and having the confidence in in your players and some of your star players, you know, Cook, Schrader, Burden. I don't like the play call, and it's neither here nor there, I guess. If I am going for it, I'm going to implement and allocate all weapons against whatever mismatch that I can create. If I got arguably the fastest freshman in all of college football on my roster and a secondary that traveled with five scholarship defensive backs and is like 130-something in defensive efficiency, I'm stretching that field and and going for it, which they should have been doing a lot more. Again, I understand trying to implement the tight ends. Maybe they maybe they had a mismatch, you know, with the linebacker or his schematics or whatever. But I, I just I don't understand why we didn't stretch the field just a little bit more, especially if they switched his own. I mean, that's that's taking somebody off the top right there yeah. and open something underneath. So I just. There's a lot of things that don't sit right with me. I guess kudos to LSU for adjusting. That's something that I wish our, you know, we could do as a defense. But I'm in I'm in agreement with you, Cole. Like I'm gonna punt, but if you do call a play, call something downfield, and even if it's a 50-50 ball, like at worst an interception. Well, now you I'm just punt. yeah, but. The chance of a pass interference, a defensive holding, like a five-yard penalty on fourth and 25, as stupid as that freaking rule is, can give your team an automatic first down. Yeah. So the play call was just you take – you eliminate that. You know, you – it was three-step, bam, drop over the middle. Now flick it to this guy and run. Like there was no chance for pass interference there with hey. – Right, and everybody everybody knows it's coming. If you're going to pass and you're going to go for it on 4th and 25, maybe, yeah, they're trying to play the reverse psychology role or whatever, but if if you're going to go for it and you're going to throw the ball, yeah, try and draw that defensive pass interference. Try and draw the defensive holding. Try and draw – they did it against K-State and with the Theo Weiss play, and Theo Weiss was able to grab, you know, get a uh, defensive pass interference called, so – yeah. I don't know. I'm almost to the point where I'm like, <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I'm not trying to rush a recap here, but part of me is just like the more and more I think back on it, the kind of more frustrated I get. And I'm like, I'm just I'm ready to move on. Well, I agree. It's a lot like Georgia last year in that 
it's something where you you were really confident in, you were so close to. It was right in, there. It's like, let's move on to the next game. Let's keep winning. Let's find, you know what I mean? Like, let's get back and win. Right. Before we do wrap this up, I do want to say something I kind of liked um, that I was thinking about in my head earlier in the game before things kind of went south was, uh, we guys think about Drinkwitz going for two on the first drive. I loved that. I thought that Love was it. good, aggressive play calling. Um, I'm going to say this. I think every offensive coach scripts out their first couple drives. And mm-hmm. I was very impressed by that. Drinks play calling made Kirby. I, I think Drinks has his hands and I think Kirby's calling the plays. But the script those two made for the start of the game, I thought was absolute about the best you can possibly do. Yeah. So I really want to get some credit there. Like that a lot. Um, some big plays are made, some good calls. I love going for two there. And I think it was a big part of where we got the game to where it was is we really put our foot in the accelerator. And I don't think LSU responded well. Right, but you know it's a long football game. <laughs> but it is. I I liked it. The only thing I didn't like was not following up with it again later in the game. I guess you just made LSU chase the one point was the hope of it. Uh, but you know, like, hey, if you're gonna go for it, like, let's go all out all game. You know, like Every let's, time. Yeah, I mean. Uh, <laughs> You know, it, at worst, you don't convert one, and then you say, okay, well, now after the second touchdown, we don't convert the two point conversion. It's 14 7. You know, when LSU started kicking, when they kicked the extra point after their first touchdown, like, go for it because at worst, they're going for an extra point again. And so, I mean, they're not chasing it right then. But uh, I do have a couple quick shout outs, real quick. First off, Desiree Reed Francois. Uh, what you're doing with the whole game day environment, uh, kudos to you. The Tiger deck, uh, the 300s for, I mean, in tickets and hotel, gas and everything else, I was over 500 into the game, uh, not counting 12 hours in a vehicle. And so getting those tickets at a reasonable price and then the accommodations that it comes with it. Hey, I've always said I'm, I sit on the Hill, but I wasn't finding Hill tickets that I was wanting to pay for. And so I was like, I get the 300. And then case you tell me about the, the bracelet and man, how awesome is that? So for those of you that don't know anybody that you go to a Mizzou game, you get in the three hundreds, any 300 section, they give you a bracelet when you go in. And that bracelet is good for free hot dogs, Cokes, waters, and popcorn. All game. And that pays for itself when you got, you know, a family of five that you're bringing to a football game. So awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, Ernie Craig, Blake Craig's father coming up and talking to me and my kids uh, during Tiger Walk. And, man, just getting to talk with him and uh, how good a guy he is. And then come to find out they're a big hunting family. And Blake himself, which is the true freshman uh, kicker on scholarship behind Mevis, uh, he's a big hunter. So... Got an angle to work on getting another guest on. And then 
uh, there was an LSU fan sitting in front of me and him and his wife. I did not get his first name. He left when I was went down out of the stands in between quarters, quarters but his Twitter handle is at USNR underscore veteran. And they were a great couple. Uh, he had nothing but great things to say about Mizzou, Faro, the crowd. He was asking questions about tradition. Uh, and he he gave great, great reviews to me. So, uh, you know, I had a much more enjoyable time with these LSU fans than I did in Baton Rouge <laughs> five years ago or whatever it was. So uh, just wanted to say shout out to him because he is following the podcast now and he's telling LSU people to listen to it. So uh, we'll take all the listens we can get at this point, <laughs> but uh, you have anything else you want to, Oh, I guess we need to recap uh, the basketball event. Uh, they had it again Friday night before the game. I was hoping to get down there. I wasn't able to arrange schedules and time to be, get up there on Friday for it. But it looked like a great crowd turnout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. Uh, Sean East defended his three-point competition uh, shooting again. So was there anything on that y'all wanted to touch on? Um. And I didn't see a whole bunch of that. I'm like Sean shooting the ball pretty well. Uh, I just want to say I think it's a cool event, and I'm glad that Gates and DRF have built a little tradition on that, you know, because other schools have got some pretty cool midnight madness. Like, was like, was that uh, Duke calls it that or someone? I don't know. But uh, I'm glad they made something. It's unique. It's in the quad by the you know stork pill like you know columns. So just good on that for making a cool event for the school. Yeah, I do like it. It's, I think it it has a potential to hopefully outgrow the quad, and you know maybe move move somewhere else. But yeah, I like it. It's it's cool that a cool event that DRF and uh, Coach Gates and Coach Pinson have kind of implemented. Uh, I saw RG three was there giving guest scores for the for the slam dunk contest. So yeah, pretty cool and kind of wild to realize that you know we always got to dabble a little basketball in this podcast that we are less than a month away from basketball season tipping off so let's go we're a basketball podcast <laughs> not quite not yet <laughs> not yet sometimes we're a baseball podcast sometimes yeah well hopefully one day soon we'll be a wrestling podcast as well so uh working on some stuff there too but man, what great game! Uh, our tires didn't come out the way we wanted. That happens. Very few teams end up with a perfect season. Even Skeeter, high on Arkansas air, did not predict an undefeated season. So, my prediction's still on. My prediction's still on. <laughs> it is eleven and one. Yeah. So we just got to win out, right? That's it. There's nobody else on the schedule to worry about. That's nobody. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, fellas. Well, that'll wrap up this recap of the LSU game. And uh, also thank you all for your hospitality case and Brett and all y'all at tailgate. Uh, 
man, y'all y'all make it feel like a family when we come up. So I love it. Absolutely, it's good seeing you guys. It's good getting to meet all. You know, I see you know Cole every now and then. It's hard to get all three of us together, and it was really it cool is. seeing you guys hanging out a little bit. Yep. All right. Well, we will be back later in the week for our Kentucky preview, and y'all have a special guest to help us preview there. So even after a loss, it's still M I Z Z O U. Go Tigers! Y'all take care. <laughs>